Welcome to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs, a webinar series that packs a ton of important agency information on one topic from one expert into a 25-minute brief. Why 25 minutes? Because who has the attention span for much more these days? And you can squeeze in a listen between meetings with time for a bathroom break or coffee refill before your next meeting. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bite Size Agency Briefs. I'm your host, Steve Guberman from Agency Outside, where I coach agency owners to build the agency of their dreams. I'm here with my friend Lou Katsinis from BCS Interactive. Lou, uh, A, I'm glad I got your name right, and B, I'm grateful <laughs> for your time and that you're here with me. Thank you. Absolutely, Steve. My, my pleasure. Um, so BCS Interactive, you've been running this shop for a while. What's the backstory? Um, what's the acronym? You know, the acronym really has no meaning. I came up with 20 years ago. And if we ever do a rebrand, you know, I'll come up with something better than that. But yeah, so we're a digital agency focused exclusively on the nonprofit sector. Uh, we work mm -hmm. with a lot of sc schools as well, too. And we do some for-profit work as well, too, as long as they have a strong kind of purpose-driven component. You know, I started this iteration of the agency about 11 years ago with a partner. That's how I got into digital. Prior to that, it was very much a traditional type agency, very much like your own. And then he had digital skills. This was actually right around the time of the Great Recession. So we realized we had to get into digital, bite the bullet, as they say. And so we kind of built it up from there. And, uh, you know, that partnership didn't really work out. We were together for about a few years, but it did set us on a digital course. He's since gone off to, he was, I think, chief product officer at E-Trade. And then eventually they got bought out by Morgan Stanley. So he's way high up there. And luckily mm -hmm. I was able to keep the agency. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've been in a partnership before, but we went in, it, it could have ended very badly. Instead, we both yeah. went off in productive directions. So I'm very thankful for that. I've not, but I've been part of agency breakups and yeah. some have gone, I mean, similar to a divorce and, yeah. and probably just as ugly or just as clean. And so, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad that you're where you're at and, and things worked yeah. out, you know, on the flip side yeah. for you. So, I mean, it was, it was painful uh, when the breakup happened, uh, but it was a great learning experience. And you're right. It's very much like a divorce and some divorces end poorly and some end productively. And this is how that, that went. So I, I yeah. recommend it to anybody, but I wouldn't want to go through it again. Let's put it that exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. So, so why nonprofits? So when you guys were a partnership, were you focused in these niches already? Or when you went digital, did you carve that out? Yeah. So when, when we were a partnership, at that point, we were looking to get any business we could get, you know, into the pool. So we were doing a little bit of everything. But I noticed at that time that the clients that gave me the most fulfillment and the ones that came most naturally to us were nonprofit organizations, foundations in particular. It just felt right. And I knew there was a need out there. But, you know, the challenge is you have to find the right organizations that have the budget to do what you're doing, or right. you have to find what I call strategically minded organizations, right? And the best way to define that is think of an executive director with an MBA. Mm -hmm. uh, inevitably, they kind of get it. They realize that you have to invest in digital infrastructure and digital marketing yeah. in order to compete, in order to get those dollars. So that's really what we look for. You know, and one other additional fact, uh, one other item I want to add to that is that um, you can do a lot of amazing things from a storytelling component with a nonprofit mm -hmm. organization because by definition, there's a human story there, isn't, isn't there? No matter, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. You can only do so much for a bank, no, no offense, or a law firm or something like that, you know? Right. And it's not, to say, it's not to say that we won't get into corporate social responsibility. I think that's a great niche as well, too. And I'm looking to break into that for, for obvious reasons. But I just felt that there's 
a lot of room to do interesting things in terms of design, storytelling, you know, even in terms of like technological innovation and user experience. Mm -hmm. So that that's why. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I mean, so there's that altruistic side of a nonprofit exists because there's an impact that's trying to be made on lives. You've got the opportunity that you can really sink your teeth into it. In my experience, and I'm curious if this is yours, more times than not, because their resource, you know, there's a shortage of resources on, on the nonprofit side, they give you more creative latitude. I mean, have you experienced that? They're like, all right, listen, we don't have the six-figure budget that maybe mm -hmm. Chase Bank would have or whatever would have, but we've got 50K and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll be hands-off and let you do your thing more. Yeah. Is that a thing that you... I, I, I wish, Steve, I could agree with you. I, I find that that many times it's, you know, I'm just going to say this, many times it's just as high maintenance as a client that's okay. paying a million dollars. And I don't necessarily begrudge them that. I get it. I mean, this is their yeah. interface. This is how they greet the world. This is their brand and, and, and what have you. I just do find that there's better chemistry because we're all on the same page and we're all trying to achieve the same goal. At the end of the day, they're yeah. trying to promote that mission. But we've had clients with limited budgets that are totally cool. And we've had clients with massive budgets that are frankly, you know, not so cool. I saw, it's funny, I saw Springsteen interviewed once, we can do this because this is a Jersey podcast on, on 60 Minutes many years ago. And he was with uh, Ed Bradley, like the great Ed Bradley, if you remember him. And sure. And he goes, I lived on rich blocks and I live on poor blocks and there's good guys and a-holes on every block. And that's, I think yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's a great crystallization of life and clients right there. Yeah. So what's, what's your secret to navigating all the stakeholders on a board? or all the stakeholders in the organization that sometimes you've yeah. got to play with? That's a great question. I, you know, I look for the key individuals and I try and build allies, right? You, you want to try to get in, obviously, with the executive director. You want mm -hmm. to try to have a good relation with the board chair. And those are usually our two entrees into an organization. And then, of course, you know, there's, there's the CFO, but the individual on the board that's responsible for overseeing the P&L, because that's the person at the end of the day that has the mindset of, look, we have to fund programs. That's what we're here for. And everything yeah. else is just, you know, Chrome. And I don't know if we can afford the Chrome. So you try to make inroads with them as well, too. Um, but that is really a great question. I think a lot of what our success is and what an agency like ours, um, they become successful by educating the board. I've written about this a little bit as well, too. And you want to make sure that the individuals feel comfortable with what you're doing. You want to make sure that they know it's an investment in their growth. Uh, if you can show data, that helps. Yeah. And I found I found what is very helpful is to show competitive analysis because, again, there's a limited amount of donor dollars. There's a limited pie out there. You do have competitors in the nonprofit space that are going after sure. it. They can have a great mission, really, but if they're not doing outreach and awareness, they're going to suffer because of that. So that's what we try to yeah. impart to them. And that competition is the donor's dollars, right? I, as a donor, Absolutely. I have a finite amount of money I'm going to give Absolutely. away this year. Yeah. And to your point, if I try to go to, you know, XYZ nonprofit and the yeah. the digital experience is garbage and the payment gateway is pain in the ass or Absolutely. whatever, even if the their cause is so near and dear to my heart, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to waste time there. I'm going to go to the next nonprofit. That's, that that, that's in, right? exactly right. You know, what I've come yeah. to the realization of, Steve, is that is that you know, you're drawn to a charity because of its mission. At the, at the end of the day, that's what their job is, to create a mission that's so compelling that you're going to end up giving your dollars, except now there's a different element to it, right? Well, the moment of truth okay. is, is, is when they come to the site or, you know, when they're joining your community on social channels, do they feel that same engagement? I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I don't, I don't want to get too overly political here, but I'm, I'm not a fan of, of Trumpism. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, worry, I worry constantly 
about the fate and the state of American democracy. So a few years back, when I heard of this organization called the Lincoln Project, I said, oh man, that's, that sounds pretty interesting, right? And I started to yeah. listen to these guys talk and I started to follow their blogs. And so inevitably I went back to the site. The site, Steve, had the same level of passion for me, the way it was designed, the stories on it, the videos, mm -hmm. and it totally brought me in. In other words, it was a clear line from that offline experience to the online experience. And I gave immediately, I continue to give. To give. I do the same thing with St. Jude's, which has moved me to that point. And then, you know, some stuff that we do for ourselves, like you and I, I know you love to hike. I love being out there. We had the opportunity to do the uh, New Jersey Conservation Foundation website awesome. a while back. And we made sure that, you know, the love that we felt for the outdoors and public spaces and what they were doing to preserve that was carried over there as best as, as we could. And, and to yeah. your point, making, making the user experience work, making the, you know, the trails map work, making sure that when a person donates, they feel comfortable and secure and so on and so forth. You know the routine. Yeah. I started maybe, I don't even know when, but giving a um, charity water a bunch of years ago. Yeah. Because that's, that's the end of the all, man. Well, so yeah. the way that they portrayed what they do and the impact that they have, I was like, yeah. I'm hooked. $20, yeah. I'm, I'm giving water Absolutely. to an entire world. Like, let's do it. But then they would give me these emails that broke down all the dollars they got from yeah. all these different places and exactly where it went. And then each like village well had a story. And like, man, yeah. it was just so engaging. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Um, so things like that that you're talking about where like really connect people to where their dollars are going really connect people to the stories that are being yeah. impacted from the mission. Is that what uh, you, you define as digital transformation? Cause I know you guys are big into. Yeah, that. sure. Sure. So, so the actual term that I use for digital transformation is really related more to efficiency. It's really okay. related more toward taking what was, what were analog processes and using digital tools and software to improve them. So I'll give you an example. Okay. One of our clients is the world childhood foundation. And, mm -hmm. you know, they give money to programs across the country that protect children from exploitation and child sex slavery and that type of thing. Sure. Um, and, and for the longest time, they were receiving applications for grants manually. People were sending in like PDFs and they'd get them in the mail wow. and they'd get them on email. And that's really antiquated, right? So, so we work with their executive director to build a, a, an application on the back end where they can not just collect these applications, but really make them detailed and vet the individuals and the groups right there, and then do the communication process online so all the data is captured. I, lo I love stuff like that because yeah. it elevates that organization. So, you know, or, or integrating, you know, HR platforms into a website so that, you know, the entire organization can communicate through that platform. So that's, that's what I call digital transformation. Okay. But, you know, also what we're looking to do is build awareness for the clients and also, you know, illustrate impact as well too, which comes back to trying to grab those donor dollars through proper storytelling. Yeah. So, so you guys are also working on kind of this behind the scenes, um, the functionality of an organization yeah. and the way that they're interacting internally, as well as, you know, data coming in, data going out, things like that. Um, different tools that you're implementing. Yeah. And for me, that's probably the mo one of the most fulfilling things that we do. I just love seeing that transformation. I just happen to love technology yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm not a coder myself. Uh, I, I surround myself with them, you know, and try, yeah. <laughs> and, and, try and, and try and try to learn from them. And I just feel that that's the direction. I mean, you know, we don't have to turn this into a web three conversation. I'm sure you're probably more expert at it than I am, but you know, that's the next yeah. Platform that we're looking at, right? It, it's funny because I just now started to get my mind and knowledge around Web two, and now we're automatically going into this next phase. I mean, in the nonprofit world, we've got a while yet before we get to that. It's kind of a lagging—I don't want to say a lagging industry, but they're slow to adopt. 
but yep. there's always something out there to learn. There's always some efficiency that can be made. Yeah. So, so, so much of what you guys do has got to be led by empathy and has got to be led by connecting with not only your direct client, but who are they trying to connect with? That's trying exactly to support, right. Trying to help. And yeah. um, it's not that dissimilar to if I'm selling whatever iPhones on a website, I need to think about what is that consumer's mindset. You yeah. guys need to now think about what is that donor's mindset, but also what is the impact on that other audience? So we've got a lot, you've got a lot going on there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there and I, empathy is I'm so glad that you used that word because that's exactly, that's kind of our cornerstone value. Putting yourself in the individual shoes, whether that's the client themselves or whether that's, that's yeah. the donor, that's absolutely key. And you know, one of the things that you're kind of touching on here is that once you improve those background processes, it doesn't just make the organization operate better, but you're improving team morale because remember, these are organizations with limited capacity. And mm -hmm. so usually you get one or two really sharp individuals there that gets technology tends to be a millennial. And if they yep. go in and it's all crap and it's all hard to use and no systems are talking to one another and they can't find data over, you know, that in addition to other factors, eventually that wears them down. And the next yeah. thing you know, they're, they're taken off. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to impart to some of the clients is that, you know, this is an investment, not mm -hmm. just in your external, right, appearance, but also in terms of your, your kind of staffing and, and, you know, just making for a happier organization. Yeah, retention rate. If, if the tools are there and we're, we're being more forward thinking and adopting better technology yeah. and more efficiencies, yeah, absolutely. It makes tons of sense. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of the kind of common pushbacks that you get when you're trying to integrate or present integrations? Like, what are some of the, the big things that you get? Well, yeah. Well, number one is budget, number one. So okay. again, that goes back to having to find the organizations that are willing to spend that kind of money or they'll get the grant. And, and that's my job mm -hmm. to actively seek out and locate those organizations. Aside from that, um, we don't really get too much of the, this is the way we've always done it because they're coming to us to change the way that they've always done it. So it's really just a matter of uh, educating all the people that need to know how to yeah. do this. So, so in other words, if you get buy-in from the executive director, well, then there's the program manager that may not be tech savvy. And it's usually fear, right? They're scared of like, how do I do this? And what do I yeah. we do a lot of training and handholding, but that's where the empathy component comes back in because we we're yeah. very relationship oriented. I, I don't know, you know, when you're in your agency days, what some of the characteristics of your agency were, but, but ours is just, and it's naturally myself and the people that I surround myself with, it's based on trust. It's based on education. It's based on relationships. So that's really what we try to yeah. work Yeah. A big part of it was we're going to build this digital, whatever, and we're not just going to like send you on your way. We're going to take the time to train you and get you up to speed and help you is. figure out what you need to figure out. And what are we connecting you to? And if we took a 10 step process and now it's a five step process, how yeah. do you understand that process and those efficiencies? That's right. um, so yeah, same kind of thing. I, yeah, I love that. What's your team makeup? Like uh, you guys are fully remote. What's the structure of the team? Fully remote. There's about 10 of us. Uh, there's two of us that are full time. And then the other eight are, uh, we've had them now, God, for 10 years on a subcontracted basis across the states. I like to keep it domestic. I just, that's my mm -hmm. patriotic kind of, you know, um, yep. emphasis. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's the same group. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easier to have them on 1099 than have them full time. That's the way I look at it, you know. So it's yeah. a very flex flexible model. We can hire and, quote unquote, remove as we need to. Yeah. Have you guys always been remote? No, no. This happened um, thanks to COVID. You know, as you know, okay. we had an office in, in Madison. Yeah. At that time, I had a second full-time project manager. 
and uh, was looking to grow the agency that way and COVID hit. And I, you know, I kept that space for a, a while. I, you know, I basically still have it. We're leaving in a, in a month formally, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, after a while the writing was on the wall and I, I can't compel good people to come into the office. And right. it's funny, I, I was putting this in my notes to you before is that, you know, the virtual world now, it has some really big pluses and minuses as well too. So in other words, we have this huge talent pool that we have access to, but yeah. that same talent pool has access to every agency in the country, right? So, um, you know, you need to keep your team as happy as possible without being completely taken advantage of. But yeah, but it, but it also mm-hmm. works in the sense that, you know, you, you, you're given everybody the right tools to be able to do what they need to do. Yeah, so that's what I want to ask about is kind of tools and processes and culture. Yeah. And- how have you maintained that in a fully remote environment? Most agencies, most businesses have had to figure that yeah. out, whether it's yeah. onboarding processes or how do we maintain culture? Are we doing virtual half hours? Like what have you guys found that works? Yeah, sure. So, so well, I, I'm lucky in the sense that we were mostly virtual to begin with, right? There's only a handful mm-hmm. of us that work together. So that culture was kind of ingrained. In terms of the mm-hmm. new employees or team members that we bring on, it's, you know, it's, it's not really a science. It's just a matter of being ourselves around those individuals and they start to get mm-hmm. to know us. You know, I've noticed that they tend to be more comfortable with Zoom to begin with. Uh, so we're not really finding individuals that are tech phobic or don't get it. In fact, they enjoy these kind of right. platforms. But yeah. the individuals that I know are going to be closer to us in terms of our, our, our work relationship, you know, we fly them in or we'll fly out there. I can't say I've done that yet, but I'm willing to do that. And I think that's important. I think like a quarterly meetup or a face-to-face at some mm-hmm. point, you know, just shows that, you know, you're, you're humans and you love one another and you want to be, yeah. you know, I- interactive. We tried the happy hour thing, but I got to be honest with you, Steve, personally, I stopped drinking a while back and the people that I'm closest with in the group don't really drink that much either. So we tried that and it just wasn't fun. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just, we, I, don't, I don't force activities like that. You know, some agencies I know do that. But mm-hmm. I just try and make things go naturally and goes back to empathy as well, too. Right. It just I think it's it behooves me as as agency owner to really figure out these individuals and understand what makes yeah. them happy and then work that way to kind of cater to their needs. Well, yeah, it's what works for them, what inspires them. But also correct. Remote gives me to say, well, I work the best on tactical stuff in the morning, but I'm, I'm yeah. most creative in the evening. So maybe I'll put in a few hours, then I'm going to go yeah. for a hike and then I'm going to put in a few more hours or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you've got to punch a clock in an office. That stuff's not <laughs> happening. You know, so Steve, I think owners that have not gotten over that are suffering. I think, oh yeah, you, you know, you need to quickly come to the realization that you trust your team. When you turn your back, which is every minute of the day, you just have to let them yeah. do what they want. You, you don't know if they're in a doctor's appointment or whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not tracking them. And I think, once you let go of that older school mentality, a lot of great possibilities are there. Absolutely. If, you find, indivi- if yeah. you find individuals that you can trust and that are doing the work. Yeah, listen, I was at an agency and, and one of the owners was of the belief and we were trying to integrate a work from wherever policy. Yeah. And, you know, it was a much younger up and coming, you know, crew in the agency and the owner mm-hmm. was, one of the owners was, if you're not here. I don't think you're actually like, I don't believe that you're yeah. actually working. I know work's getting done, right. but I don't believe that you're actually, and it's like, it doesn't matter. The work's getting done. We're collaborating. We're using online tools. You can see the progress. The, the money's coming in. Yeah. The accounts are getting sold and built yeah. up. And so, yeah, yeah, it's, and it, uh, it, and, it's and an adaptation it, thing. Think of it as an agency owner. Think about how stressful that must be. You know, half your time yeah. is spent worrying about if someone else is doing the work. I mean, if you trust yourself in your instincts and your processes, you hired the right people. That's really what yeah. it comes down to. Let them do their job. 
Yeah. What are some tools that you guys lean on operationally from like CRM, project management, et cetera, et cetera? So uh, we use the Google platform for a lot of our communications. We use Workspace for, you know, Drive for storage. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Google Mail is 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 our foundational email. And then we put our email on top of that. CRM, which really falls to me in terms of client prospecting, is just a very basic HubSpot setup. I don't really need too much there. Yeah. And, I, and I don't like getting bogged down with like methodologies and processes and stuff like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of these CRMs, I don't know if you're familiar with like contactually, it's like this amazing yeah. product, but you need a PhD to like run it. I, I don't need that. I just need very simple kind of tools. In terms of our project management, this is where my senior uh, PM and I kind of butt heads every now and then in, in a good way. Is I used to love Basecamp. Again, it was it was simple, and mm-hmm. I don't need many more tools than that. But you know, she's obviously at a higher level as far as PM is concerned. So you know, I obviously give her the leeway to pick the tool she wants, and she's gone with Teamwork, which we okay. use, which is fine. But it also has just I think too many bells and whistles. But that's for me and her to to debate. Yeah. And I think that's you know we use we're, we're typically a WordPress shop in terms of our own site and in terms of what we build for clients. But then again, as I mentioned before, we do a lot of custom stuff, so we're really kind of platform agnostic. We just yeah. kind of stay away from proprietary stuff like Microsoft that we just you know can't get into. We're basically all open source. Yeah, love it, awesome. So uh, I, I always love to know what's behind the scenes on an agency and what are the tools that they use and lean on to keep things running smooth. Uh, I want to jump to a couple of non-agency, whatever, just rapid fire questions. So, sure. so coming out of pandemic, we're, I don't know, a couple of years out, a year out. Um, what's either the craziest thing you and your family did or one of the strongest lessons that you took away from the, the experience? I remember when COVID first hit, and I, I know you can relate, it felt like it was just a surreal thing, right? Like you couldn't go out of your house. And I started to notice people just, they had nothing else to do. So they would just walk around the neighborhood, almost like, like, you know, and then we started to do that. And I realized it was a great way to bond with the family. And if you just think about all the benefits that walking brings, not just the health benefits, but the ability to think and the ability to just, you know, see the outside world. And we know what the benefits that the outside world brings in terms of, you know, the environment. Uh, So I think that's what that is. I mean, that's been a permanent mark on us, just bringing a family closer together. So I, it's not a crazy thing, but it was a good thing that came out of this. Love it. Yeah, no, it's a huge shift. I, I've heard that answer a lot. Uh, I yeah. sit in front of my window and I see my neighbors, they still go for walks and they didn't yeah. do that before. So I love it. Yeah. Um, what's a, what's a, a podcast or a book or an audio book or a show or something that you're like super into right now? I'm, I'm listening to Smartless a lot. I mean, it makes me laugh. You, you <sighs> so know Smartless? Good. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome podcast. And I, I know, Again, I'm a political junkie based on what we spoke about before. So there's, I listened to a podcast called The Bulwark, which again, sorry to go back to it, but it's kind of an anti-Trump pro-democracy thing. So that's what I'm into these days. Awesome. Nothing wrong with pro-democracy in my mind. Uh, And then finally, what's an invaluable business lesson that you can share that you've learned? Never stop selling. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't mean that in the, you know, kind of Glenn Gary type way where you're in people's faces, but but do do something every day that is going to cultivate that top line for you. That's going to bring you at least leads that you can cultivate over time. I've noticed that when I stop doing that for any stretch of time, I end up paying for it three or four months down the line. So yep. uh, that, that's, that's one thing I would impart to people. And um, you, you know, you're more resilient than, than, you know, you know, I, I would advise mm-hmm. this to, especially to initial agency owners, or if you really want it, you know, you're going to deal with a lot of shit, man, starting your own business. I mean, there's no other way of yeah. it. It's just, it's, it's just a continuous series of problems. But as you solve those problems, you become a better business person and you start to 
kind of elevate the the trajectory of the business. So, you know, that's another way of saying don't give up, you know, unless your heart's yeah. not in the business anymore, in which case, you know, it's time to move on. But if it is, just keep going. Yeah. Tough skin goes a long way in this world. That's for sure. There we are. Yeah. All right, Lou, I appreciate your time, brother. Thank you very much. Awesome, um, Steve. Yeah. Thank Great you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs. As always, if you found value in this episode, chances are someone else will too. So please share it with your network. Also, if you know someone with expert knowledge on a topic that agency owners would love, drop me a note. Let's get them on. Finally, find someone to hug today.